The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. So let's jump in. We're going to dive in. Today we're talking about transformation. Um, I'm just going to pray and then we will uh, get into this. Uh, because it really takes God to work in us. The Bible says it's he that works in us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So it takes God's work in us for us to transform our spiritual life. You know, we can work on the outside, we can go to the gym, we can work on the physical, but we really are completely dependent upon the work of God in our lives to change on the inside, which is the part that actually is the most significant that matters. So Father, I pray right now that you would, Lord, just open our hearts and our minds, God, to your uh, word, Lord, that we would be able to receive it, that it would fall on good soil, God, that you would cause us to, uh, Lord, really allow it to penetrate our hearts and to receive it so that we can not just be hearer of the words, but Lord, also to be doers. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so we're talking about transformation, and I'm going to use a passage this morning out of Luke chapter 18. Uh, it's about a, a ruler, a, a rich young ruler that went to see Jesus. Uh, because he was missing something in his life. He needed something new to happen. Something was unsatisfactory. He was unfulfilled. Something was going on to where he saw the work of Jesus and the life of Jesus, and he thought, you know, I need to go and find out what he has because I need something. He goes, there's something that's going on here that I need to be a part of, that I need to receive. And so we jump into that here in Luke 18, starting in verse 18. You can follow along on your phone or in your Bible. Uh, if you have a, a paper Bible, uh, be careful. You get a paper cut on that. Um, we like to be more safe here, so we use a lot of digital. Um, but here we are, verse 18. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do to move from where I am and moving over here? This wasn't like a poor, uh, broken person that's just struggling along. This is a ruler. This is somebody of wealth, of class, of status. They already had it together, but they're realizing that I need something different. I need something more. And Jesus answered, he says, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And he says, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything that you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and he said, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard this asked, Well, then who can be saved? And Jesus replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. So here this guy comes and he's like, I want to have transformation in my life. I've done all this. I'm unfulfilled. This isn't doing what I thought it would. I'm not having the, uh, just a change in my life. I'm not feeling the fulfillment of life that I want, that I need, even though I have all these other things going on. And he comes and he says, but this is what I need. He said, I need to know how to get there. And Jesus' answer is really simple. He says, get rid of all the stuff that you have and come follow me. There's a high cost for, for this process to move from where he was into this transformation that God had for him to make this change. There's this high cost. And his answer was, I'm out. 
I'm out. Okay, I'm going to go back. He went away very sad. He went away and he thought, you know what, I really want it, I really want it, I really want it. And then he got there and he got to the door and he got to the gate and he realized the cost and he's like, oh, okay, forget that. We talked about inflation last week, you know. I'm sure there's things, sometimes you go to the grocery store right now and there's things you really want. And then you realize what the price is now and you like have it, you're looking at it, you're like, I really want that. You look and you go, I'm just going to put it back. It's a little much for me right now. I'm going to wait. And then you go back. There's things like that. Man, I really want to take this trip. I really want to go on this vacation. You start looking at the thing, and you're watching it online. You're looking at the pictures and the photos. And you're going through the stuff. And then you get to the part where there's the checkout thing, and you're looking at the cost, and you're like, oh, uh, I think I'm going to wait. I'm going to hold off on that. There's all these things in life that we want, but we get to the cost, and we turn back. And that's what happened to this guy. We don't know why he turned back. We don't know what it was that caused him to uh, feel like the price was too high. Obviously giving up his money, but what did that mean? You give up your wealth, you give up your money. There's a lot that goes on. Oh, I'd pay money for for Jesus. I'd I'd give money for following that. I'd give money for eternal life. But money represents a lot of things. Imagine if you're in that position, you have that wealth, and, and you have all this going on. That's a certain social circle. There's a certain level of status. No doubt in that status, in that circle, in these smaller towns that the Bible had back then, you're looking out and you're seeing how the poor are treated. You're seeing how people that don't have that, that class are treated. You're seeing the suffering that they go through, some of the difficulties and challenges, how they're spies, how they're looked down on. So, so getting rid of your wealth and your position means a little bit more than just, well, I won't have as much. It's literally transitioning out of a place of, of honor and respect of people seeing you a certain way and saying, oh, okay, I'm gonna move over to here if I do that. What about family? You give up these different things and your family looks and goes, well, hey, this, you're embarrassing the whole family to do this. You can't just move on into following the Lord and do that and change your life and, and go into all these things. You're, you're leaving the, the, the family tradition. You're leaving the family way. You're leaving all the things that we believe in. You're leaving all this stuff behind. And what are the people in town gonna say about that? What are our friends gonna say? There's people even in our L3 recovery that have struggled with that. They've struggled with, man, I, I left all of this. And the, and the wealth that they left wasn't even wealth like we think. All these things, and yet that was their circle. That was their wealth. That was their status. And when the Lord called them and they had to step away from that and they're walking out of that, they literally feel this like tearing of their heart and of their life because they're walking away from where they belong, which is its own wealth, to have a place to belong. And they're walking away from that to say, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to follow a new way. I'm going to do a new thing. So we don't know what specifically about giving up the wealth really meant to this particular person. We don't know what was stirring in his heart. We don't know what was going on. But um, I want to put this up on the screen, inspiration, motivation, and transformation. It's easy to get inspired It's easy to have inspiration, man. Boy, that's inspirational. What does inspiration do? Inspiration gets us up. We're down, we're discouraged, we don't have vision, we don't have hope, we don't have, and then suddenly we see something, we see a quote, we see somebody else doing something, we watch a little clip on YouTube or somewhere and we see this thing and all of a sudden it's like, whoo, I'm inspired, excited. Motivation is a little different. Motivation takes a little more. Motivation actually makes us want to do something. Like I'm not just inspired, but I'm, I'm motivated. I'm gonna do something. Okay, but the problem with motivation is that it typically gets us stuck, is it gets us to a certain point where we're like, okay, I'm motivated, I'm here, 
And how does it get us stuck? It gets us stuck once we actually get to the point where this young ruler got to. Because he got inspired by something going on in Jesus' ministry. He got him up and out of his house, like, man, I, I, need, to, I need to learn more about this. I need to find out what's going on. He got motivated, which got him all the way to Jesus. And then when he got there, his motivation got him stuck because it wasn't gonna take him to the next level because that's where you find out the cost. When you get motivated to take action, that's when all of a sudden you realize, okay, this is gonna cost me something. You know, I got inspired because I saw somebody, was, oh man, they're looking good, man. They're losing weight, they're in shape, they're looking great and they feel better. They're telling me their story out by the coffee thing about how awesome it is to be uh, feeling better and, and more healthy and in physical conditions changing and all this good stuff's happening. Man, I'm inspired, motivated. I'm gonna go to the club. Go to the club, I drop my money down. I'm like, great. And they say, hey, we'll hook you up with the trainer, come in Monday. Now, Monday, when you go in and you meet with the trainer, you know, Alan would know this, right? You go in and you meet with the trainer. Now, that's where you're going to probably get stuck for most people. Because when he actually starts making you do stuff or she makes you start doing stuff, you're like, oh, this is what it means. I don't want to do that. Like, I'm starting, to, I'm starting to hurt right here. And I got a little hurt right here. Like, I don't think that's normal. I think I'm allergic to working out. I'm getting pain, and I'm sweating. My skin's turning red. I'm struggling breathing. This is the same thing that happens when I eat shrimp. And they don't let me do that. I'm going to have to just leave. Right? I got a membership at the club, and I spent my first, like, literally, like, first four months going regularly to hot tub and go in the steam room. I literally, I don't think I worked out once in, like, four months. But I was inspired I was motivated enough to drop some cash, but when I got in the door and realized what it actually is to work out, I was like, holy smoke, that hot tub looks great. Yes, it did. And I got, it did for sure. And I got, I got into the steam room, and I, got, I was having people tell me how amazing the steam room is for your insides, and it helps you breathe better, and it helps your skin. And all. I'm like, I don't need anything else. This is amazing. This is, this is revolutionizing me. I wasn't, ready for transformation, to really start putting in the work, to really start going through the change. Now, in our faith, it's very similar because this young ruler, he got all the way to the point of motivation to where he found out the cost, and he's like, okay, I'm out. How many people turn back because of what really, as you start to press into faith, Jesus is saying, would you give me this? You know, would you give me that? Would you, would you give up your bitterness? Would you give up your anger? Would you give up your addiction? Would you give up your lust? Would you give up your whatever it might be? We're pushing in all of a sudden. He's going to say, this is what it takes to go over here and walk into transformation, to really change and become different. you got to cross over it into here. And you're like, oh, that's a little heavy. And I'll just keep going to church. That's a little heavy. I'll just keep listening to, you know, to some worship music. But I don't really want to change. Like, I'll do the whole, like, experience in the environment. I'll do the steam room. I'll sit in the hot tub. But, whoa, I don't really want to. Make those tough changes. Would you get up in the morning and read the word? Would you get up in the morning and pray? Would you pray? Oh, that's a little tight right there. If I can get up and do that, I'm gonna uh, I'll just wait till somebody else already has the waters bubbling and the steam flowing, and I'll just kind of go sit around after they've prayed and read the Bible and do that. But I don't want to press in. I don't want to work for change. I don't want to get transformation. Because there's a difference that happens when we really want transformation that we have to actually put in a little bit of the work. We have to actually get motivated to get in and get involved. And if we're willing to do that, that's what actually breaks us through. A transformation requires complete surrender, which is what he was facing, and also a perseverance in the spirit. What do I mean by that? 
Well, here's Romans 5, 3 through 5. It says, not only so, but we glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Well, there's a process right here. And I've worked with a lot of people, and I've gone through some of this myself, where we get in a struggle and we want to jump from the struggle over here to the hope. And sometimes we can do that. It's like, you know what, I just want to, we had a bad, we have, I have a bad relationship with my spouse, but you know what, right now I've, I've prayed and, and, and I'm in the struggle, but you know, I'm just going to jump to hope. So I'm just going to jump over here and just start being like, hey, sweetie, this is amazing, you know, let's go on a date. I'm just going to do all the hope stuff. All of a sudden I wind up on a date and it's nothing but a, a fight, argument, because I haven't actually put any of the work in to start working on restoring trust or restoring the relationship or like building up what I've already torn down. You know, I've seen people in recovery. I, I, one particular guy, he kept a cycle over and over and over again for like a year, year and a half, kept doing the same cycle. He's like, here, he's like, man, I gotta get some hope. He's like, I'm, I'm gonna turn everything around. I'm gonna turn everything around. And she's so like, I said, well, what are you gonna do? He's like, well, I need to start making an income so I have a place to live and do these things. I said, okay, great, where are you gonna get a job? I'm not, I'm starting my own business. Start my own business. I'm going to be my own boss. It's going to be amazing. And somebody's got to help me get a truck and help me do this and help me do that. I need all, the, all this stuff on the big hope side. So, well, why don't you start out by getting a job, showing up every day, and learning some work ethic and to stick with stuff and then stay plugged in so that you can have the strength and the courage to overcome addiction and form new habits in your life and do this part of it. He's like, oh, well, yeah, but that, you know, I got a lot of stuff I need to do. And that's not going to help me get there fast enough. So I'm going here, comes here. And the problem is with that kind of hope, when you try to skip the middle, you try to skip the perseverance, you jump to the hope without the character to sustain it. You get there, it's like setting up a tent. You can set it up quick, a lot quicker than a house. But what happens when a storm comes? What happens when it gets too cold? What happens when there's a real difficulty or challenge? You jumped all the way to hope for transformation causes us to just have these little tents that we pop up, and then when something difficult comes, it just comes crashing back down. The perseverance builds the character, and the character is what allows the hope to actually stand when trials and difficulty comes. It allows us to be built up and to be strong. Building a house takes a lot more work than putting up a tent. You got to dig out some ground. You got to break up some rocks. You got to pull out some roots. You've got to have a team of people around you to help you. You know, it's not just a one on one thing. You got to have some community. You got to have some people involved, plugged in, and saying, okay, we're in this together. Let's build this thing. And you got to put it up. And then you got to wait. You pour out that concrete. And then you just got to sit and wait. You got to wait for things to settle. You got to wait for things to be strengthened. And then, okay, what's the next phase? And we go up. Building character and moving towards transformation is actually a difficult and time-consuming process that a lot of people look at and they're like, oh, I don't think I want to go through that. I don't want to work on that. Here's some things on the process of transformation that the disciples went through because this rich young ruler turned back at this point, just the point of surrender. But had he given everything, it wasn't like making a purchase. Maybe he knew that. Maybe he saw that. 
Maybe he looked at everything that these disciples were already going through and these people following Jesus, and he's like, so I'm gonna give up everything and then I have to get into the process? Like, is there a shortcut? Can I just buy this thing? Nope, it's not a shortcut. No matter who you are, you've gotta actually plug in and then you gotta work through this process. But here's the disciples are going through this process. Some of the things that they had to deal with, they tried to call fire down on their enemies and you know what? Didn't work, they got rebuked. They're trying to learn to transform, to be like Christ. They, you know what, I'm moving out of my old life. I'm trying to move towards you. And there, there are some people that were, some things that were going on that, that were against them. They're like, you know, we'll just call fire out of the sky. We're gonna, we're gonna burn them up. He's like, nope, doesn't work. Kids tried to come. They said, nope, get the kids away from Jesus. We need to make room. He's like, nope, you're wrong again. You ever feel like you're trying to move forward in your faith and things God's calling you to do? It seems like you keep doing stuff and then, oh, I did it the wrong way. Trying to work at something that you feel like God's put in your heart and you're like, oh, I hit a dead end. I gotta do it differently. Well, this is what they're going through. It's part of the process. Tried to walk on water and failed. They were reduced to scavenging the kids in the crowd for provision. Like, hey, all these people need to eat. He's like, go find something for them. Go, go talk to the people. And like, they end up coming back there. They have to steal a little kid's lunch. Go get it from, come on, let us have it, come on, come on. But my mom gave it to me, I'm hungry. Come on, we need it. We didn't bring anything, we're not prepared. I mean, these are guys that provided for a living. That's what they did, fishermen. Some of them, they were the providing, doctors, tax collectors. I mean, all these people, they had like a, a, a profession. And now they're like roaming around trying to just find food and they're taking stuff from kids and they're walking through this process of humility as part of their process of transformation to become more like Jesus. We come to faith and we're following the Lord. There's a whole process that we go through where some of the things that we used to do or take pride in, they get stripped off and we have to walk through this entire process of becoming humble, of, of not depending on ourselves, of not being able to make it on our own. And little by little, God strips these things away. And he says, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this off of you because you depend on it too much. And this is a spiritual thing, not just a physical thing. And I wanna move you forward. And to do that, I've gotta pull some of these things down. And Well, what is humility? We're supposed to have humility. What is humility? Well, it's just a right estimation of yourself. Well, let me clear it up. Humility is exactly what it sounds like, humiliation. There's fancier ways to say it. There's softer ways to say it, but it's humiliation. It's realizing that, you know what? I can't do it. And for our flesh, in a spiritual sense, well, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's not thinking more highly of yourself than you should. It's esteeming others above yourself. It's, it's honoring God more than you honor yourself. That's all true, but to our flesh, it's just humiliation. I need someone else to help me with this. I can't do this on my own. I tried and I failed. Like God brings us to a place of humility. It's because we go through situations where we realize I am not the answer. I don't have the answer. I need God and I need others to help me through it. And they had to go through this process. They argued about their egos and their position in the kingdom. No, I got to sit at the right hand. No, I got to do this. Why? Well, Sometimes that happens in church. Sometimes that happens in our life. Sometimes that happens at our workplace where it's like, no, I want to be in position. Well, I want to be in position. But God will use any area of our life. It doesn't have to just be in ministry at church. It could be at work. It could be at home. It could be anywhere. To constantly work on our ego, to pull our ego down so that we can actually walk in humility. The Bible says that we are supposed to honor one another even above ourselves. So in order to become more like Christ, he's constantly putting us in positions where our ego gets checked and where we have to like slow down and stop and apologize. Slow down and stop and say, hey, that might have been me. Hey, I was wrong. Hey, and give other people the benefit of the doubt to be right. Let somebody else lead the charge. Let somebody else have the right answer. 
Could somebody else speak up if you think you have something better to say? Come into a position where we actually humble ourselves. And he, you put circumstances in our life that cause us to constantly have to do that. They failed at the mission of deliverance that they were sent on. They were out trying to cast out demons and do these different things, and they failed at that. I mean, the, the process of transformation looks like a whole bunch of little dead ends, a whole bunch of shortcomings and failures, where we're constantly learning and relearning and then learning again because our heads are hard and, and we have a difficulty actually processing it. That You know what? Following Christ and coming to him, it's not just a matter of our willpower and our strength. It's actually a matter of learning to depend upon God and letting him work in and through our lives. And I have to learn to do this. I have to learn to put my flesh down in order to bring up my spirit. And I have to constantly be in, in this class this lesson, they lashed out in political and physical aggression. I mean, Peter was cutting off people's ears. I mean, they're doing all this stuff. It's like, hey, guys, I've been with you three years. Let's get the point. Slow down. Work through me. Let me do this. But they're putting out so much effort. They refuse to let Jesus wash their feet. You want to wash your feet? Peter's like, no, you can't wash my feet. To even let God get into the, the, the dirty, the, the hidden, the, the gross parts of our life. The parts that show the wear and tear of our journey that we've been through. Man, I've been through this and I've been through that. I don't want anybody involved in that. I don't want, I don't want to talk about that at church. I don't want to open up about that in my small group. I don't want to share this piece because that, that's just messed up stuff that's happened along the way. And nobody needs to see that. Nobody needs to know about that. Well, that's what their feet were all about. Wearing sandals, oftentimes people with no shoes, going through, getting filthy and sweaty and stinky and dirty and broken feet. And Jesus is like, I'm going to get down and pull these up and I'm going to wash them. Well, that's just between them and Jesus. No, that's between them, Jesus, and everybody else in the room. Because they're pulling the feet up in front of everybody. There's a room of people. Hey, let me see your feet. Uh, nobody needs to see that. I got, a, I got a, a bunion sticking out the side and I've got a blister over here and I got... Pull it out. Let me take a look. Let me wash this thing. And now everybody else gets to see that, that God's got to work in my life, that I've got issues, that I've got problems, that I've got a past, that I've got places that people haven't been able to clean up yet, and I've got to let God work on it. You know, Peter was the leader. You know, we can become leaders in our family, in our jobs, in church, in a ministry, in some place where we're a leader, and now, okay, well, I'm a leader now, so I can't ever put my dirty feet out. I can't let anybody know that my feet need washed. I can't let anybody know that sometimes I get angry. I can't let anybody know that sometimes I, I struggle in this area or in that area. Do you know what? As followers of Jesus, there's never a point where we don't have to sometimes put our feet out and just say, you know what, I got, a, I got an issue. I've seen some of those things. He knew enough about Jesus to go talk to him. Maybe he had seen that, wow, this is a different way of living. But it leads to eternal life. So maybe I can just go find out what it costs to just get the eternal life part. Like, can I just purchase that? Like when it's done? No, you have to give up everything and then you have to come follow me. You have to walk through the path. You have to walk through the journey. So if you've given your life to the Lord and you're following God and you're saying, you know what, I came but I showed up at church and boy, it sure seems like there's a lot of good church people and everybody seems great, everybody seems fantastic, but it feels like I have to go through a struggle, like I have to go through a journey, like I'm not good enough, like I've got to change. I, something about me has to keep on being molded and shaped and maybe I'm just not cut out for this. Well, that's only because you're seeing everybody's outsides. Okay, but the Bible says that God doesn't look on the outside, he looks at the heart. Everybody in this room has got some stuff in their heart that God's working on. 
Not that God was working on, that God's working on right now. Everybody in this room. Everybody in this room has something that they're going through in their own emotions and their own thoughts that they're Lord saying, give this to me. Hand this over. I want to change this. I want to mold this. Even if they've been a believer for one year, one month, one week, or they've been for 10 or 20 years, there's still something God's saying, you know what? I'm gonna, I want this piece now. We're going to clean it. We're going to move it forward. I want to transform you. It's a change that he's working on. They fell asleep when Jesus pleaded with them to pray. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's facing his worst hour, his worst task, his worst trouble. About to go to the cross. And he's like, would you guys pray with me? And they just fall asleep. Paul said, well, I'm not spiritual enough. I can't seem to make it. Well, neither were they. But it doesn't mean that God wasn't still calling them, trying to push them, trying to pull them. And they're like, well, I'm just not wired that way. I'm not wired for that. I can't really do that. You know, I get tired. Well, that's because it's a spiritual battle. None of us are wired to pray. None of us are wired to read the word. None of us are wired to actually put our flesh down. Our flesh is wired to try to control things. It's an effort. It's something we have to like put our time and our energy into. I'm not as spiritual as that person. I just don't enjoy reading my Bible, so I don't do it. Well, nobody enjoys reading their Bible. Not really. Not if they're reading it right, because the Bible, when you read it, the Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It literally comes in and it cuts and divides between our, our desires and between the spirit and between our flesh. It does this cutting. And if you're really reading the Bible and you're really studying it, it's not really that enjoyable all the time because you're reading it and God's like, and you're like, oh, this is a great word for this is a really good word I need to give this to Melisio. This is a great word. Well, that's fun. It's so fun to get a word for somebody else. Hey, I was reading and the Bible's talking about pride and I just felt like I needed to give that to you, Dennis, and just talk to you. And just, Man, God was stirring me. I just got to talk to you. Man. Just, pride comes before a fall and I don't want you to fall, so I'm coming as a brother in love to pick you up. Man, this is so fun. But when you're reading it the right way, which is first that the Bible talks about, it's like a man that looks in a mirror and you're reading it like that, it's not a, quite as fun. <laughs> you get in, you're reading, you're like, Whew. If you're going through a, a, a glossary and you're just pulling up all the promises, well, that can be fun. But if you're really getting into the word, which has both promises and also has challenges, it has things that are pushing against our flesh, our own desires for transformation. You're not just going to the steam room or to the hot tub to feel good. Like, okay, I'm just going to sit in all these promise verses. Oh, bubble me, Lord. Bubble me. Make me feel good. Well, that's great. God wants us to feel good. He has promises for us. But he also wants us to get into the harder passages that challenges us. Like, you know what? Give up everything that you have and follow me. Give up what you don't want to give up. Let go. Let go of those things. Oh, I can't. Yes, you can. You absolutely can through God working in us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That God actually can help us in anything he's calling in our life, anything he's pointing out, anything he's putting a finger on, you can through his strength. They fell asleep. They denied even knowing Jesus in his greatest hour. They hid in fear after he died, was awaited for his resurrection. I mean, this was a constant mode of just falling and fall, get up, fall, get up, fall, get up, fall, get up. And it's perseverance. And what does it do? It builds character. And it says character, hope. And the hope doesn't disappoint because it's the love of God shed abroad in our heart through the Holy Spirit. 
But that hope comes that we've learned God's love, we've been trained in God's love because every time we fell down, every time we failed, every time we went down the wrong side of the maze and ended up in a dead end, that we realize he's still with me, he still loves me, he still cares for me, and he's still trying to get me to the finish line. And that builds not only our character, but it builds an awareness of God's character in our life. And it begins to cause us to grow. As believers, this is done in perseverance. There's a, a, a side of that where we're grabbing ourselves and pushing ourselves forward. But it's also done through the Spirit. Galatians 3, verses 1 through 3, it says, You foolish Galatians. He's writing this to a, a, a church that's in Galatia. They're, that's who this uh, group of people is. And he says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. He says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. So this isn't like just the fuzzy feeling verse. He's like, literally, he's writing them. He says, I mean, they're doing all, this is, he's writing a church. This is a group of people that are doing church in Galatia, and they're doing good things. Now, they're living separate from the world. The world is doing all kinds of bad stuff, and they're stepping out of that, and they're saying, do you know what? We're going to live differently. We're following the Lord. We're going to try to live better. So they're doing, if you just compared them to the world, I mean, it's this huge contrast of how much better they're doing. And he doesn't write to congratulate them. I mean, he actually starts the letter in this chapter. He says, you foolish Galatians. He just starts out by just telling them that they're fools. What are they fools about? Well, he gets in. He says, here's the one thing I want to know. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish that after beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by the means of the flesh? So there's a thing that happens oftentimes to believers is that we come to know the Lord and at first we already know that I can't do this. This isn't a me thing. The Bible isn't a self-help book. It's not just about you know, getting some good principles and then applying those. That's not what it is. It's a spiritual book. It's about allowing God to come into our life and into our heart and learning from him and allowing his truth to work in our heart to cause him to bring change, which is dependent upon him and relationship with him. When we first come to the Lord, it's that way. When I first came to the Lord, I mean, I was, I was hiding in my closet. I was a drunk, uh, hardcore addict on all these problems going on. And I knew, man, if I'm even going to show up at church, the only way I'm getting here is God's got to, like, help me get there. I'd park in the parking lot and stare at the door. I don't want to get out of my car. I would pray just to get out of my car. Lord, I'm here. I, don't, I can't go in there. I need help. Well, you can very quickly figure out how to navigate the scene and the socialness of the scene and the interactions and stuff to where you get, okay, I'm here. I'm going to come in. I know how to high five. I know how to do the stuff. I know how to like, say stuff to the right people. I know how to grab a cup of coffee. I know how to do all the things. And I can navigate this pretty well in my mind and in my own strength and in my ability. And we can move into that area. I know how to manage these relationships. I know how to manage this uh, particular area of my heart. I know how to manage stuff. But that's not transformation. Management is not transformation. God's not looking to manage our sin. He's not looking to manage our desires. He's looking to transform our desires. To where it's not that I'm managing my desire for pornography. I have them or, or for this. No, I have a different desire. That's not even what I want anymore. I'm not managing my desire to have bitterness or anger towards somebody, and I'm just trying to hold it down. No, actually, I have a different desire. It's love and care, and I want to help people, and I want to serve people. He actually wants to transform our desires as we go through this process that God works in. So here's a few things that move us along in that process, but it's by the Spirit. 
It's not something we just get up and read a few good books on, on how to interact with people. Those are things that work on the outside, but we want to be working on the inside. So here in John 15, 4 through 6, it talks about abiding. To abide in him and will bear much fruit. This is how we persevere in the spirit, not just in the flesh. It's by abiding. Well, I know, but how do you do, like, what am I doing when I'm abiding? You're not doing anything. You're abiding. You're just being. You're just being. You're just going and you're just being. Lord, I'm in your presence. What do you want to talk to me about? Lord, I'm sitting here. What do you want me to do? But am I reading the four chapters that are on my, on my, uh, you know, my year Bible plan? Not necessarily. Not if that's something you're trying to check through. You're just going and sitting, Lord, I got my Bible here. I'm here to pray. Lord, I'm just I'm trying to be in you. What do you want to speak to me? How do you want to help me? What do you want to do in my life? What do you want to do in my heart? Is there anything that you want to talk to me about? Now, David, David asked God to cleanse him of his secret sins, to pull those things out, things he wasn't even aware of. It's like, Lord, there are things I'm not even aware of. The way I see the world, the way I interact with people, that maybe I, my whole view and my perspective on things is skewed, that I just need, I'm, I'm here. Work on me. Help me. You lead me. I just want to follow. And that we take time to do that. Well, I don't have time. I'm too busy. That's right. If you don't have time, you're too busy. If I don't have time, I'm too busy. If we don't have time to abide in the Lord, to spend time with the Lord, we're too busy. What in your life needs to go? Well, nothing. I can't. It's all too valuable. Well, that's what the rich young ruler said. It's too valuable. I can't let it go. I can't, I can't move there because I got, if we don't have time to abide in the Lord, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to read my word. I don't have time to sit and listen to God. I don't have time to just be in his presence. Then, yeah, we're too busy. We look at our lives and say, Lord, what do you want me to remove in order to make room for you? What do you want me to move in order to be able to spend time with you? Persevere in prayer and gratitude. Thessalonians talks about to pray continually and to rejoice and to give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. It's, it's telling us that one of the ways we persevere, one of the ways we, is to constantly pray, to constantly rejoice, to constantly have gratitude. Our flesh wants to do the opposite. It wants to complain. It wants to murmur. It wants to struggle. It wants to, to try to do it on our own. But to say, you know, I'm going to pray, give thanks, I'm going to rejoice. That takes an effort both in our flesh to say, oh, I'm going to do this. And it also takes a dependence upon the spirit. Lord, help me to do this because I don't feel like it right now. Because it says continually, always. Well, I don't know how to pay my bills, but Lord, I'm giving thanks because you always take care of me. Lord, I'm in this struggle right now. My marriage, I give you thanks. Lord, I'm in this struggle with my own head and depression and anxiety, but Lord, I give you thanks. I'm, I'm moving myself into here intentionally and I'm praying, God, that you'll help me to even just get the words out because I don't know how to even get them out right now, but Lord, I'm coming to you and help me. I'm gonna give praise. I'm gonna rejoice, Lord, you're good. And I don't know anything in my life worth giving praise about today. But that other person over there that I was jealous about because their life is so amazing, do you know what? I'm gonna give you praise for giving them a great life. Lord, thank you that you blessed that person. Thank you that you gave Kyle so much hair. You're a good God. What a great provider. It's beautiful. It's luscious. It's wonderful. Thank you, God. Thank you for this, Lord. And I can do that. I don't have to sit and be jealous. When you're jealous of somebody, what you're saying is that they have something amazing going on. Why not give thanks and praise for it instead? It's a different, it's a living by the spirit instead of by the flesh. It's preferring others above ourselves and honoring them above ourselves. It's, that's what God's trying to transform and take us into. 
But that's his way. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And God wants to bring us into this. So we give thanks and we can't find something to give thanks and praise and appreciation and rejoice in our own life. We look around. God's given us all these people. And there's always something to give thanks for. Always something to rejoice for. Always something to be excited about. Sometimes we just have to actually look outside of ourselves to find it. Which is okay because we're supposed to be living selflessly. Persevere in living by the scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16 talks about God's word being God-breathed. Inspired, it's his life breathed into the word and it's good for teaching and rebuking and for training and, and changing our whole life. That's getting in the word for more than just the promises, but we're getting in the word and saying, God, I'm gonna read some promises, but before I leave my time right now, Lord, I want you to show me something that instructs, something that challenges, something that rebukes, something that cuts away, something that, something that makes my muscles actually hurt. That's what I'm reading for. I want the promises I need it to stay encouraged, but Lord, I don't want to leave here without also getting this. I need both. Now when I go to the club, I work out and I hot tub. It's okay. It's okay to soak in the promises. It's just not what we're meant to do to just soak in the promises without getting into the actual challenges and letting God transform and change and work our lives. We're supposed to do both. And the last one here, persevere in deeply committed community. Both of these passages... In Romans and in Acts, they talk about getting together, about bearing each other's burdens, about meeting in the temple, about uh, studying God's word together, challenging each other, lifting each other up. I mean, all these things. And that happens in community. It doesn't happen, happen in isolation. There's no such thing as a believer in Christ, a follower of Jesus, to just have our own individual walk. We have our own individual faith. But if we're following Jesus, he doesn't walk alone. He had disciples. He had people that he brought. When he calls us, he calls us into community. He calls us to be together. He calls us to, to lift each other up. We can't love if we don't have people to love. We can't bear burdens if there isn't people with burdens to bear. We can't serve if there isn't people to serve. Literally all the things that Jesus commands us to do to become like him and a disciple require other people around us. We can't forgive if there's no one that's offended us. I was up in the mountains, I was by myself, it was beautiful. It's just me and Jesus, that's good. It's a good moment, but it's not the transformative life that God wants us to have. That requires interaction and connection, working through stuff. And when you see all these people that have fallen, the disciples, all their failures and all their fallings, when it's ourselves, we think, oh, but if that happened to me, God will help me get back up. True. But they were watching each other fall. They were watching each other fail. They were watching each other go through stuff and still sticking together. So when you're in a church, when you're in a family, a community, a small group, and you're with other people and you're like, well, I'm trying to do good, but this person messed up and they offended me or this person's not doing it right or this person's not. Well, guess what? They were going through the same thing. They watched Peter sink in the water. They watched somebody try to cut off somebody's ear. They watched somebody try to call down fire. They watch somebody not be able to cast out a demon. They watch, they're in there doing all, they're watching each other. And they're, you know what? Instead of judging each other, they're saying, you know what? We're just gonna keep following Jesus and keep trying to grow together. We're gonna keep moving together. We're gonna keep walking together. We keep transforming together. This is what God has for us is transformation. Sometimes the church is so busy trying to tell culture what to do, but we haven't even done it ourselves yet. This is how you need to change. And God's like, well, I'm still trying to get you to change. I got a lot of great verses for that person out there. But I haven't let them work in here yet. That's what God wants us to work on. 
let's bow our heads for a minute and we're just going to go to the Lord. And as we close here, just, I want you just to ask God, just Lord, is there anything going on in my own heart, in my own life? Lord, that maybe I have boxed off and said, this is not something that is changeable. And so I'm just going to try to move forward and just let it be what it is and try to minimize the damage. I'm going to try to manage that area of my life. Anything you haven't been willing to give up to follow where God's trying to lead you. It's a process. But we have to persevere in it. We have to walk in it. We have to continue to move forward in it. If we want to become more like Christ and have an impact on the world that's around us. So Father, I pray right now as each person, Lord, is just reflecting on and taking time to Lord, listen to you, God, that you would point out, Lord, in their heart or give them wisdom and direction. Show them, Lord, where you want to work in their life, God, not to judge them, Lord. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, but Lord, so that you can bring conviction, so you can bring change, so you can bring better health, greater transformation in their life. God, so they can reflect you better to the world around so that more people can come to know you, more people can have transformation, and more people can come to know you, and more people can have transformation. Lord, not to fill the church, but God, Lord, to fill heaven. Lord, with people who found you, people who knew you, Lord, people who came like you. Lord, we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.